Show. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that gets us thinking, gets us talking, gets us feeling something, and perhaps inspired or challenged to go out and do something because we've gotten the connection and we want to make a difference. We've been talking uh, with my good friend, Michael John Peace, who is with us today. Welcome, Michael John. Always a pleasure. Uh, He is my co-host today. Uh, He invited me to one of his productions that he's doing in partnership with the Center for Victims of Torture. And I was so moved by the presentation that I wanted to bring um, the executive director in. Uh, But before I get to that, I just want to talk to our audience a little bit about art and how art can give us windows and windows that can peer in and peer out. And I'm particularly fond of art that widens our lens around the world and increases both our knowledge and our curiosity beyond the bounds that we know about. And through art, we have the ability to empathize with other struggles as we explore our own challenges. Cardboard Piano is a play that guides us through the beauty of love and the heartbreak of loss and pain. Love and violence are intertwined. The play is set in Uganda, and it's outside most of our awareness of the pain and torture that's impacted many lives there. And I believe that the partnership that Park Square has done with the Center of Victims of Torture is one worth talking about this hour, and how um, how both the nonprofit and the theater intertwined uh, to create a message that supports both the nonprofit. Uh, as well as the theater audiences. So welcome, Michael John, who is the executive director of Park Square. It's wonderful to have you back and to discuss the show. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It is. It's a show that's moved everyone on our staff and is having such a great impact on audiences. So I'm so glad that we've got Kurt Gehring from the Center for Victims of Torture with us, who has been a great partner. And in the spirit of connections, we came because we have a common board member in Nancy Feldman, Ah. who's been on Kurt's board for many, many, many years and has been in our seats for many years before we were smart enough to get her on our board. (laughs) And in the spirit of connection, I have to also say, way back when um, I was a speaker for the Center of Victims of Torture, and I am so proud of the work that you're doing, Kurt. Thank you very much, Lori. So tell us a little bit about, wonderful to have you, tell us about the history. Well, the history is actually a very interesting one um, because uh, CVT, the Center for Victims of Torture, was founded right here uh, in Minnesota about 32 years ago now. Um, And it was founded at the initiative of the then governor, uh, Governor Rudy Perpich, who, as the story goes, uh, was asked by his son, uh, Rudy Jr., who was a law student at the time and a member of Amnesty International, what his dad, dad, what are you doing about human, human rights? You're a governor, you know, you're in an influential position. And his, his dad didn't have an immediate answer. So he formed a, a task force, a group of people, to examine the question, mm-hmm. what can Minnesota do to promote and protect human rights? And so they took a look at the, at the uh, human rights landscape at the time. They saw that groups like Amnesty were doing excellent documentation, great campaigning. They saw that groups like Human Rights Watch were beginning to grow rapidly. The International Commission of Jurists was influential in developing the international legal standards. But there was no organization in the world, um, even though the movement was growing rapidly at the time, no organization that was working with the survivors of one of the most egregious forms of human rights abuse, that being torture. And so uh, they thought, well, let's give this a shot. Um, They came up with other uh, options as well, but this was really the most uh, challenging, the most ambitious. And uh, what started in 1985 as a very small organization with a couple of staff in a small house uh, on the University of Minnesota campus uh, has now become uh, one of the world's largest torture treatment uh, rehabilitation centers uh, in the world. 
uh, and we've grown from about the first 15 years, half, half of our um, organization's life uh, doing rehabilitative work with survivors who've resettled here in Minnesota. We now have expanded uh, the last 17 or 18 years internationally. Um, so we do work in, in, in uh, the Middle East and various countries in Africa uh, and other parts of the world. So it's really become uh, one of the leading global organizations uh, working uh, for the rehabilitation of uh, torture survivors and survivors of war-related trauma. I remember in the late 90s, in the early 2000s, there was a um, suggestion that maybe Center for Victims of Torture was just too harsh of a title. And there was talk about, well, you know, should we call it something else? And I was really proud of the board going, no, that's what we're about. You know, people need to know that yes. this is about torture and, and, and yes. that you're all about healing and that, yes. that that needs to be front and center. Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. And, you know, for some and the, 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 the narrative and the, the language that is being used um, has evolved uh, over the last 30 years. In mm -hmm. fact, I ask myself sometimes and our staff do, if we were starting today, would we call ourselves the Center for Victims of Torture? Uh, and I'm not sure what the answer would be, mm -hmm. but you know, th th it is true that the, the the survivors we work with are victims, mm -hmm. but they're also very much survivors and, and heroes. And, and heroes, exactly. Uh, incredibly strong, incredibly courageous, resilient, able to draw on their inner strengths and external strengths with a little bit of support that we hopefully can help um, them find. Uh, and, and then they are well on their path to recovery. So they are very much uh, both victims mm -hmm. but also survivors. Tell me also about your, your St. Paul uh, facility and, and what sort of services are available there and, and who avails themselves of those services. Yeah, our... Um, our our uh, treatment center, uh, St. Paul Healing Center, um, is in a uh, old Victorian house uh, on Dayton Avenue, uh, specially designed uh, to be a house that is a place that is welcoming for uh, people who've been through the worst experiences, really, that that any human being can endure. Uh, in their life. And one of the results of, of torture and one of the purposes of torture is to destroy uh, a, a sense of, of uh, yourself, the individual, uh, destroy a sense of, of humanity. And one of the consequences is that, that people, uh, survivors, are often um, uh, afraid uh, they suffer deep uh, psychological as well as uh, physical wounds from what they've been through. So the first thing that that, that that building, that house, tries to do is give survivors a sense that in this place they are, are, are first uh, safe and, and secure, which is the first step on their road to recovery. So the house is designed... Um, uh, to convey that that sense, there's a lot of natural light uh, that comes through. The the colors inside are uh, warm and welcoming. There are no bright lights, uh, no square rooms, nothing that would remind them of a of an interrogation cell that many of them have have been in. Mm -hmm. um, the corridors are the rooms are, are are rounded. The corridors are not just long and and straight. They're edges and and curves. Uh, and it, it really is a place where, where once they come in, they can feel uh, a sense of safety. Uh, and, and, and for many, the first time in, in years, sometimes decades, that they're able to feel that way. And that's uh, such an important, uh, essential prerequisite in their road to recovery. And you have counselors on staff. We have, yes, uh, counselors on staff. We have um, uh, um, a psychologist. We have... Uh, nurses, we have uh, social workers, um, we have occupational therapists, physical therapists, um, we have um, 
a network of volunteers, uh, befrienders, who help newly arrived survivors uh, navigate the, their new environment, adjusting to the new uh, location. Uh, we have referral networks with dozens of, of organizations. Uh, when a client comes to CVT, there's an initial assessment uh, that is made. First of all, whether they they uh, meet the criteria of, of a torture survivor. They have to meet the, 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 the legal definition of, of torture, either the United Nations or the U.S. definition of, uh, of torture. Uh, and then a treatment, if they're accepted, the, the treatment plan is, is developed to tailor to each particular individual uh, what is what would 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 help this particular individual uh, recover? What is what is most appropriate? And then a specialized treatment regimen uh, begins. Well, we're coming down to the end of our first segment. Uh, in our next segment, I'm going to be having Kurt share with us about, uh, in particular, the work that you're doing in Uganda um, and the challenges that um, we may or may not be aware of uh, that continue today uh, and in a 15-year span, giving us a little historical context that will paint the picture for us in, in better understanding um, the foundation of Cardboard Piano. Uh, Cardboard Piano is playing at Park Square Theater, and I'm going to let uh, our friend Michael John share about... Um, the run, uh, do you know the, it goes through February 19th, did you say? Uh, February 18th. 18th, okay. So there's still a couple of weekends to see it, and uh, we play Thursday through Sunday, and we'll have a special offer for you later. And we'll we'll tell that in the fourth segment, so you've got to stay tuned, exactly. or if you miss it, uh, it, it will be um, on my Facebook page for Connections Radio Show. We'll, we'll post it there, too. And that's uh, Park Square Theater. Dot org uh, to get your tickets. And then uh, to learn more about the Center for Victims of Torture, you can go to cvt.org. Again, that's cvt.org. Um, I'm going to ask you just a quick question. We have just only 30, six, 30 seconds left. How did you like the play? Hardcore. You know, I very much uh, like the play. I mean, it's subject matter that is not, uh, you know, that is difficult to uh, absorb. Uh, I, but I, the way it was was done, the, the 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 actors, how they presented the material, the storyline, it was at the end of the day very uplifting to me. And you'll hear more about that in our next segment here on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Our Twin Cities culinary scene has a lot to celebrate, and that's just what we're going to do on February 25th at the Pantages Theater. The Charlie Awards is the local culinary version of the Academy Awards for the Twin Cities restaurant industry. Proceeds from the event go to Open Arms, a nonprofit that delivers healthy, made-from-scratch meals to people with life-threatening illnesses. Your ticket to the award ceremony is also your passport to the after-party, with food, drinks, entertainment, and a chance to hobnob with the current and previous Charlie's winners. Following on the heels of the Charlie's, just two weeks later on March 12th, a VIP reception and dinner will be held at Open Arms. So mark your calendars. February 25th for the awards and after party, and March 12th for the VIP event. To buy tickets, go to info at charliesexceptional.com and be sure to check out the fun on our website, charliesexceptional.com. Now on display at the Museum of Russian Art is an exhibition of beautiful icons and sacred art from the 19th century called Russian Sacred Art Connecting Heaven and Earth. Liturgical music from the best Russian choirs gently accompanies your experience of these pillars of spiritual life. Open daily and with free parking, Timora is the easiest museum to get to Minneapolis, so plan your visit today at tmora.org. That is tmora.org. A Weekend to Break Free is a dynamic self-discovery weekend retreat that supports you with self-mastery techniques to overcome stress and anxiety in your life. Taking place at the Minneapolis Hilton at the Mall of America, the retreat goes from February 16th to the 18th, and you can register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Anxiety, stress, and feeling overwhelmed can keep us from fully expressing ourselves and freely living our life with meaningful connections. Our fears not only can create isolation, they're also toxic to our health and well-being. We do have the power to break free from stress. 
At the Break Free Workshop Retreat, you'll learn Bill Courtright's seven steps to stress mastery and how to implement each step. Bruce Van Horn will be teaching you techniques from his best-selling Worry No More book. This retreat is focused on you and ways to support breaking free into a more fulfilling and freeing life to lead. Make your investment in you and register at breakfreeworkshops.com. Stages Theatre Company presents Leo Leone's Frederick on stage January 19th to February 19th. Bring a little one and cozy in this winter for the charming story of Frederick as he shows us that everyone has something special to give the world. This musical adaptation of the Caldecott award-winning book will delight the heart and tickle the imagination. Located in downtown Hopkins, Stages Theatre Company continues its season in the heart of imagination. For tickets, visit stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and this week we are blessed to have two terrific uh, guests today. One is my co-host, Michael John Peace, who is the Executive Director of Park Square. Welcome, Michael John. It's good to be back. I'm going to have to get my business cards redone. Yes! Lori's co-host on there. (laughs) Yes, yes, we'd love to have that. And we have the Executive Director uh, from the Center for Victims of Torture, uh, Kurt Garing. Did I pronounce that correctly? Absolutely correct. Thank wonderful. you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Wonderful uh, to be here. You spoke recently um, at an afternoon performance, a matinee that I attended. And one of the stories that you shared still makes an impact on me in terms of uh, the work that's being done in Uganda. Uh, and we'll get to that story in just a minute. If you could paint the picture for us about what's happening or what has happened in Uganda that sets the stage for Cardboard Piano. Um, I think it's really helpful to get context, Mm -hmm. um, especially when you see the show, you understand so much more from the perspective Mm -hmm. of the historical. So if you could share a little bit about the last 20 years, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that context is um, uh, a war, essentially, between um, a resistance group uh, called the Lord's Resistance Army and the government of Uganda. Uh, in took the the difficulties took place. The conflict took place mostly in the north of the country, uh, north of Uganda at the time. Uh, and the purpose was to um, to create more autonomy uh, for the Acholi uh, people who live in that in that area. Ostensibly, that was one of the, the purposes. Mm-hmm. It was also to establish a, a system of government uh, based on the Ten Commandments. Uh, but what happened? It was one of the most brutal conflicts uh, anywhere's of, of of I think almost any time, and especially some of the the methods that were employed. Kind of bizarre that it's based on the Ten Commandments with "Thou shalt not kill." I thought totally. was right in there. Totally, yeah. and and it, it's a, a conflict that is characterized by extreme uh, brutality, and perhaps in particular uh, known uh, for its uh, use, the Lord's Resistance Armies. And also a strange, uh, strange title for an army. Its use of of uh, child soldiers, um, which numbered, uh, and, and their estimates, but somewhere is between, uh, and estimates range between twenty thousand and maybe even up to a hundred thousand, during this period between uh, nineteen eighty seven and two thousand and six. The the worst period was the late nineteen nineties and, and the first five years uh, in the two thousands. And to just give that context for relatability, Bloomington has about 100,000 people. Mm. I mean, the town of Bloomington, yeah. if, if every single person in Bloomington was a child terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and these these kids, and they were, you know, they are they were victims. kids. Yes. They're, they're, they're victims, uh, but they were all, and they were abducted uh, from their families. They were forced to be uh, porters, carry goods and supplies for the army. They were forced to become child soldiers. Um, girls who were also abducted um, were forced to uh, become sex slaves to uh, LRA, Lord's Resistance Army uh, commanders and, and fighters. Uh, many of them became pregnant as a result of the, the, the rapes that they uh, endured. And then um, bringing that child? Bringing that child back after the, 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 the conflict wound down. Um, so it's, it's uh, the entire population of the north of the country 
uh, was displaced during that period. Uh, but one of the features, central features, was how child soldiers were used to further the aims of the LRA. One of the ways in which that was done was that the, the, the kids that were abducted were often forced to kill members of their own family including their parents, their mother, their father, their siblings, brothers, sisters, sometimes while they were sleeping. And it was a way, it was, it was very specifically designed to break the, you know, the, 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 the bonds between uh, and among family And uh, to members. realign the allegiance to it, Exactly. Yeah. And so they were forced to, to kill, they were forced to rape, they were forced to you know, cut off, uh, you know, parts of body parts, ears, noses, lips, arms were sometimes uh, chopped off. So they were, uh, they were forced to do this, uh, and if they didn't do it, they themselves would often be killed. Uh, but by doing it, they also became perpetrators, so they're victims and, and perpetrators. So it becomes very, very complex and, 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 and complicated. Um, one of the stories that you shared was uh, some of the healing that um, professionals are, are working with the victims that went through this. And you shared about the stone, the flower, and the string. Could you share that again? Sure. Um, as, as part of the uh, rehabilitative process, um, our staff um, ask uh, survivors um, to uh, recreate or to, 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 to uh, think about uh, their life, the good parts of their life, the bad parts of their life to date. So they're given a piece of string, they lay it on the ground, they're asked to put stones on the string for the bad parts uh, of, the, of their lives and flowers uh, on the string for the, for the, the better parts of their lives. Um, and I told the story, uh, which has been told to me, of um, uh, a young girl, a young woman, 24 years old, uh, recently, which meant that she had been abducted, uh, you know, probably when she was 12 or 14 uh, years old. And she asked uh, one of our clinicians, uh, do you want me to put a stone on the string for each person that I killed? So imagine, you know, you're 24 years old, um, a young woman, and your life is 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 already in some ways defined by this, you know, really horrendous horrendous question. And part of the purpose of of the stone and the flowers is to, yes, this has been part of of her life, but part of the rehabilitative process is to help survivors understand that you know it it it's not your entire life. There's a, a before. There's you know there will be an after. And and yes, we can't deny what happened, but let's let's uh, let's cope with it and 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 move forward. You can not ever really get over it, mm -hmm. but but how does one learn to to live with what has has happened? That acknowledgement. Exactly. And I have to believe that by sharing their experience, it it, it perhaps alleviates some of the guilt in terms of understanding the greater picture and the position that they were put in um, because I have to assume that they carry a lot of you know anger and frustration and hurt and yes. being asked to do things that were horrendous yes yes and and of course they feel guilty yeah. because of what they've been not what they've chosen to do what they've been forced to do what they uh, had to do and 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 what they then have to to live with and of course, even though all this conflict now can seem, because it's faded from the headlines, mm -hmm. like it was so long ago, you know, isn't everything better now? Right. And sure, in some ways, but what Kurt was sharing in that pre-show talk, too, is that it, your presence in Uganda has actually grown since then, There's because there's still so much to do. Well, there's so much more healing yeah. that needs to be made at this point, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel that the play is really about the stone and the flower side by side. Mm -hmm. And that the play is really a string of stone and flower, stone and flower. And how do we live with that? So we're at the end of our second segment. Stay tuned because in our next segment, we're going to uh, talk more about the play and the ways that the Center for Victims of Torture has supported the process as well as the performance. So stay tuned. Here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, you're listening to Connections Radio Show. A 
Weekend to Break Free is a dynamic self-discovery weekend retreat that supports you with self-mastery techniques to overcome stress and anxiety in your life. Taking place at the Minneapolis Hilton at the Mall of America, the retreat goes from February 16th to the 18th, and you can register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Anxiety, stress, and feeling overwhelmed can keep us from fully expressing ourselves and freely living our life with meaningful connections. Our fears not only can create isolation, they're also toxic to our health and well-being. We do have the power to break free from stress. At the Break Free Workshop Retreat, you'll learn Bill Courtright's seven steps to stress mastery and how to implement each step. Bruce Van Horn will be teaching you techniques from his best-selling Worry No More book. This retreat is focused on you and ways to support breaking free into a more fulfilling and freeing life to lead. Make your investment in you and register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Hi, this is Ken Hagelin, president of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on AM 950 on Saturdays from noon to one. Our team from Minnesota Hospice will continue our series titled Lifting the Veil, Revealing the Spiritual Truths About Dying and Death, and discussing a new perspective on aging. Please join us Saturday from noon to one for the new Minnesota Hospice show and learn more about us online at minnesotahospice.com. Located in the vibrant Lynn Lake neighborhood in Minneapolis, the Jungle Theater sparks meaningful dialogue through compelling stories, meaningful acting, and exquisite design. The Jungle is more than just a theater, though. It's a community that inspires empathy and reflects our changing world. This winter, experience the magic of the Jungle with a duet of dynamic one-person plays. First is Ishmael, in which one actor gives a tour de force of the many voices of Herman Melville's classic novel Moby Dick, accompanied by members of the bluegrass band Pert near Sandstone. Ishmael is on stage January 13th through February 4th. Next up, from February 10th through March 4th, is New York Times critics pick My Mother Has Four Noses, written and performed by acclaimed singer-songwriter Jonathan Brooke. This show is the beautiful and heartbreaking tale of Jonathan's final two years together with her mother, who was battling Alzheimer's. Buy your tickets now by going to jungletheater.com or treat yourself to a subscription for the 2018 season by calling the box office at 612-822-7063. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for sunny skies today with a high near 14, tonight clear with a low of 2 below, Sunday sunny with a high near 20, and Monday partly cloudy with a high around 18. The Downtowner Woodfire Grill is the Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week. They have daily fresh seafood specials, fire-roasted meals, exquisite pizza, and half-priced bottles of wine Mondays and Tuesdays except on Excel Energy event nights. They have gift certificates available, too. Located at 253 West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul. More at downtownerwoodfire.com. So celebrate art and we celebrate things to do and I highly recommend going out to see Cardboard Piano at Park Square. It is a very moving show and today we have uh, both my co-host Michael John Peace who is the executive director of Park Square. Welcome. Glad to be here. And we have Kurt Gehring who is the executive director for Center for Victims of Torture that um, is a support to the cardboard piano, uh, but we also wanted to have him on just to be able to share about the good things that you're doing and the programs that you support. Uh, you, you not only, of course, would love to have uh, financial support, and if you'd like to donate to CVT, it's cvt.org. But you were bringing up some other points earlier, Michael John. Well, yeah, I think that hopefully the impact of seeing a show like Cardboard Piano and then hearing Kurt speak about the tremendously impactful work they're doing in St. Paul and around the world is then, how do I participate, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was asking about volunteer opportunities. So you mentioned, Laurie, that you'd been on the Speakers Bureau yeah. uh, in your past and had received great training for that. What are other ways that our listeners can help uh, CVT, Kurt? Yeah, and it's a very important question, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that, because CVT is actually a community of supporters. We not only have some of the best most knowledgeable, most experienced uh, clinicians, the psychologists, physiotherapists, uh, social workers working with torture survivors anywhere in the world, and we're very, it's a, a huge asset for CVT. But we also have a network of volunteers who work very closely uh, with us. Um, uh, 
what we call befrienders, uh, individuals who, with certain training, um, uh, work with uh, volunteer to work with individual survivors of torture as they adjust to a new uh, place where they're resettling. So, you know, getting their new reality, their new reality, exactly, a new location, new culture, new language, things like uh, accompanying them to. Uh, to a park or helping them get to know the transportation system. We have one volunteer whose mission is to provide a bicycle for every survivor who wants a bicycle. And oh, she has a network of relationships around the city, you know, and gets this piece from that <laughs> shop, gets this wheel donated from that uh, a business. And... Uh, and 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 every survivor that is is part of our network who wants a bicycle is able through her volunteer services to get that. What a wonderful metaphor! Too. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, it really it, it really is. You know, we also um, a part of our mission is is to heal the wounds of, of torture on survivors and, and 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 families and communities. But it also is to stop torture worldwide. And so we have an advocacy program. Uh, and when there are, as there always are, and especially these days, uh, areas of, of policy that are concerned to us, sometimes legislative uh, initiatives on uh, on refugees, on immigrant-related matters, on uh, uh, foreign policies that might uh, have a, a component of of uh, support for for torture or weapons that support torture, um, you know, we we activate our advocacy network. Um, so there's a whole range from uh, contributing to volunteering to uh, uh, engaging in our policy work. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I think one of the reasons that we were attracted to the play itself, which is very tough stuff, and I remember after some uh, CVT staff members had read the play and we were having an initial partnership meeting, they said, how did you get a play written just for us uh, yeah. <laughs> at CVT? Yeah. But what I find powerful is that when you read about these torture policies, for example, in the news, um, no matter where you fall in the political spectrum, it can feel so removed. And it gets really easy to get swept up in the, but it will make us safer, we need to get information. A and then the what the play does by putting that on a real human personal level a few feet from you is like, oh, this is what that policy means that we endorse, right? Mm -hmm. So again, you can still walk away and decide that that's the risk you're willing to take but it puts it in human terms it's not just these big headline bullet points mm -hmm. about people far away it's like this is happening to humans who then come to live in St. Paul exactly and uh, Michael John it, it precisely and and the way the the, the play is written the, the the production it it really is so aligned with the reality that uh, survivors from that part of Uganda have experienced over the years i mean it 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 as you said it it comes straight out of the testimony that our clients tell our clinicians. Oh, sure. Well, it was such a great opportunity to have your clinicians come in and meet with the cast because, um, so, you know, any play is a theatrical conceit, so there's things that aren't real life, and we as the artists can't really sift that out. And so it's very typical in a theatrical production that's set in another place and time to have a dramaturg come in who's done all the research. But this was so much deeper to have these clinicians come in, and we had Andrea, who's on staff with you, and then and Padubu, I think is her name, who is on a fellowship from Sri Lanka, who has survived her own trauma in her native country, come talk to us. And their first uh, point of departure was to go through the script and say, these are, these are the effects of trauma or the actions or the words of people who've been through this that seem really real life. And here's where it doesn't. The first act is set in 2000, so still at when during the worst part of the fighting of the Lord's Resistance Army. And then the second act is 15 years later, and one of their first insights was that is a month, that is a year in the life of someone who's been through something this horrific. So, of course, as in our privileged lives, we're thinking, oh, 15 years later. They've healed up. Right, right. <laughs> They've gotten past it all, right? <laughs> right. And uh, so what that led to as they started, so as the cast was really pushing on them, it's like, well, what what does it look like? What do people do? How do they vocalize when they're coming up against 
uh, a trigger that's really setting them off because you see that in the second act when the trauma from the first act sort of is brought up uh, and this person who believes he's healed himself by becoming a pastor uh, from his life as a child soldier and so they talked about how it can feel like a ringing in your ears that there's these physical sensations and that one of the things that isn't true about the way the play is written is this character's ability to tell their story. Mm -hmm. They said that the way trauma works in the brain, you don't have that cohesion to give a narrative. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we can't change the script. But what the sound designer could come in with and say, well, we can create that sound that it creeps up on the audience. Like at these moments, you hear the ringing in this character's ears. Mm -hmm. And there can be a like you where you sort of can say, all right, now we're in the larger room having conversation and now this is really this is sort of an interior piece of what's happening mm -hmm. with this character so that and some of the physical tells that we learned you know uh were really just propelled it and those of us who'd seen the world premiere production it was a quite a different play hmm. because that production didn't have the benefit of that plus it's madness putting on a world premiere so <laughs> we don't want to fault them uh, but this was this amazing resource and i have to say uh that as I've gotten to know CVT and as we've, as Park Square has branched out and looked for where our content can intersect with other nonprofits in the community, to learn that the whole world is on University Avenue between the cities, right? It's like there are more international uh, network organizations in the Twin Cities than anyone outside of Minnesota would ever credit us with. Mm -hmm. And it is that desire for how do we help people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that question that Rudy Purpose Jr. asked. It's like, if you know about human rights, what are you doing, Dad, about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I always say on that last point, uh, Michael John, that, that it's not a coincidence that, that CVT was not just founded here, but in, in some ways thrived here. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have happened the same way in other places uh, for some of the reasons that, that you mentioned. And you're absolutely right about the internationality as well. I think last year uh, CVT saw clients from about 40 different countries. Uh, so it Many of them are, are African. There are many uh, Middle Eastern, many Asian, different parts of the uh, of the country. But it is truly a, a broad spectrum of, of the globe. Right. Talk to me also about the art in your uh, lobby. There are some beautiful yes. pieces. Well, Kurt probably knows more where they came from. They're from CVT's collection of artwork that I believe has been created by, by clients. Yeah. Uh, so it was a great opportunity when we were sort of just exploring how, you know, what form does a partnership take? And we said, well, we have this lobby. And then someone said, oh, our offices and our healing center is filled with this art. So that was a great opportunity. And is that, is art created specifically as part of any of your programs? Or was this sort of ancillary to what clients are doing on their own? I think most of that was probably ancillary. Okay. There, There is some art that is specifically uh, created. But uh, as part of the, the the trying to be a welcoming environment, having the, 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 the place feel comfortable and 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 uh, enable survivors to feel at ease. Surroundings and artwork is is part of this that they that they can see and feel comfortable with. It's meaningful to them. Is part of that, right? So it just was that it's that flavor that sets the stage as soon as you come in. Healing, yes, and certainly um, as part of the partnership. Uh, Kurt's talk before to give us some context before one of the matinees, uh, and the uh, also the the way we've been able to hopefully over the course of the partnership drive our audiences to be aware of CVT and look for ways to participate of, um, you know, to take action after seeing the show. Uh, and then certainly I know from talking to audience members as they're gathering in the lobby, we're finding so many people who've come to us through CVT or have come to this play because of some personal connection with mm -hmm. Africa. Again, you would never know it to look at our still mostly white state to see how many people have traveled there have hosted foreign exchange students or or uh, what have you yeah it's just it's fascinating all those connections that exist uh in this town and that that play really brings it up every single i talked to 30 30 or 35 people friday night before the show and each one of them had a personal experience with uganda itself i was like well talk about specific mm -hmm. not just the continent of right. africa not just war-torn conflict you know I also like that you're asking the audience about their statements that they that you have posted up. That you're you're able to go and um, write a statement about what is it that um, what what does forgiveness mean to you? And there are a couple others. Mm -hmm. How did that go for folks when you're asking them about that? Well, and I really took your cue, Lori, and yeah. said, why don't you do this before you go in to sort of set your mind up, and then come back and revisit these questions. Um, 
after intermission or after the show because again we we start on a very you know we're privileged we're safe we're going to theater so you start on a pretty um soft level Mm -hmm. for what does it mean to forgive um and then you see the capacity with which people need to forgive others and uh, And and for what and for themselves and i think to your image of that stone and the flower it's also in the child soldier thing is they're victims and perpetrators but we all are victims and perpetrators on some small level if not great levels in our lives so to the degree to which we need to give forgiveness is also the degree to which we still need it from Absolutely. someone else. So the play really sits those two ideas right next to each other and lets us look at it. I also, I know we're coming down to the end of this segment, but I just want to also compliment Park Square on your sharing the square, your partnerships that you do with nonprofits. And you've got another one coming up, uh, World Without Genocide, with the Anne Frank pr- uh, production. Yes, it's going to be our 19th season of producing The Diary of Anne Frank, largely for schools, but we do have a public run of evening performances. And World Without Genocide will be giving a Holocaust lecture on April 18th. And uh, we'll be having some display materials in the lobby. We've worked with them previously on... Dyer Van Frank and a play we did uh, that was uh, set in the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide. That's going to be going from April 19th through the 28th. So I want my audience to go to parksquaretheater.org. Uh, buy some tickets. Oh, there's, exactly. There's not that many weeks left. You uh, can't stream it live. <laughs> no, you, you need can't. to drive to downtown St. Paul. You need to go see Cardboard Fiatta. <laughs> and then uh, put on your calendars to see The Diary of Anne Frank. If you've not seen that play, it is a must. Uh, and thank you for your partnerships with good nonprofits. Oh, it enriches all of us. So we'll be coming right back, and we'll talk more about uh, a couple things that are happening at Park Square. And it's on the Connections Radio Show. A weekend to break free is a dynamic self-discovery weekend retreat that supports you with self-mastery techniques to overcome stress and anxiety in your life. Taking place at the Minneapolis Hilton at the Mall of America, the retreat goes from February 16th to the 18th, and you can register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Anxiety, stress, and feeling overwhelmed can keep us from fully expressing ourselves and freely living our life with meaningful connections. Our fears not only can create isolation, they're also toxic to our health and well-being. We do have the power to break free from stress. At the Break Free Workshop Retreat, you'll learn Bill Courtwright's seven steps to stress mastery and how to implement each step. Bruce Van Horn will be teaching you techniques from his best-selling Worry No More book. This retreat is focused on you and ways to support breaking free into a more fulfilling and freeing life to lead. Make your investment in you and register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Stages Theatre Company presents Leo Leone's Frederick on stage January 19th to February 19th. Bring a little one and cozy in this winter for the charming story of Frederick as he shows us that everyone has something special to give the world. This musical adaptation of the Caldecott award-winning book will delight the heart and tickle the imagination. Located in downtown Hopkins, Stages Theatre Company continues its season in the heart of imagination. For tickets, visit stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Hey, Minnesota, Norman Goldman here. The furniture business is one of those industries that's full of fake sales and false discounts. This is the age of the hashtag illegitimate fake president, and haven't you been lied to enough? That's why you need to check out Habitation Furnishing and Design. Habitation offers some of the coolest furniture in Minneapolis at fair prices every day. No fake sales, no phony discounts, just honest, intriguing, and really unique furniture. Check out Habitation on Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park or visit HabitationDesign.com. Our Twin Cities culinary scene has a lot to celebrate, and that's just what we're going to do on February 25th at the Pantages Theater. The Charlie Awards is the local culinary version of the Academy Awards for the Twin Cities restaurant industry. Proceeds from the event go to Open Arms, a nonprofit that delivers healthy, made-from-scratch meals to people with life-threatening illnesses. Your ticket to the award ceremony is also your passport to the after-party, with food, drinks, entertainment, and a chance to hobnob with the current and previous 
with Charlie's Winners. Following on the heels of the Charlies, just two weeks later on March 12th, a VIP reception and dinner will be held at Open Arms. So mark your calendars. February 25th for the awards and after party, and March 12th for the VIP event. To buy tickets, go to info at charliesexceptional.com and be sure to check out the fun on our website, charliesexceptional.com. Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and this week we have been having a great conversation about a wonderful nonprofit, the Center for Victims of Torture, and the great partnership that Park Square Theater uh, is making. It's making the connections between nonprofits and arts and, and ways to work together. I have Michael John Peace, who is my co-host today. Welcome, Michael John. Always a pleasure to drive out to Eden Prairie for some fun with Lori. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have you here. And we have the executive director of the Center for Victims of Torture, Kurt Gehring. And Kurt and Michael John, I'd love to have you just share with me what were some of the really positive things for each of your audiences um, to, that that the the whole was greater than the sum of its parts. That mm. together, oh. um, what are some neat things that came out mm-hmm. of this partnership experience? And either uh, you want to start, Kurt? Sure. Well, for me, one of the immediate things that comes to mind is the way this partnership has allowed the one of the messages of CVT to come through to a, a larger and a different audience than we uh, normally reach. You know, we're always striving to, to, to uh, increase our support base, increase the knowledge and awareness of the work of the organization. And I feel, many of us feel, CVT is one of Minnesota's best-kept secrets. And so we're always looking for ways to get the word out. And one of the ways to get the word out is through the arts, you know, whether it's music, whether it's theater, whether it's, you know, film. Uh, and, and this has just been a, a wonderful partnership for us and, and a way of expanding the, the network of, of uh, individuals who have now heard about CVT and who hopefully will become um, affiliated in some way. Right. Find a way, even if they start reading your website, uh, tracking your newsletters, and just hearing the stories at your fundraising breakfast um, that I got the chance to attend with uh, Kathleen Kennedy from your board. And just hearing, I mean, because you can hear it, you can hear about CBT, but then to see the survivors who who reconnect with their resilience. I remember one of the stories of a woman saying uh, something along the lines of, that was the moment when I realized I was going to be me again. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's and so much and that is at the heart of our brand and theater, right? Is connecting ourselves to our own humanity and to the humanity of others. That sense of there is me and building empathy. Um, so and, and then for us, you know, where we're one of St. Paul's hidden jewels. I often tell people, you know, our, our, we're fond of saying we love our subscribers. We just wish they had friends because <laughs> they, they seem to enjoy the fact that we're hidden. And I'm like, can't we be a jewel that everyone can see? I would like that. So this this opens us up, too, as well, to CBT supporters and to people who aren't theater going is maybe not a part of their usual life or certainly downtown St. Paul or Park Square in particular. Um, but then also, I think one of the reasons the show has so impacted our staff and our board as an artistic outcome is because of the just untold richness of that conversation uh, with your staff. Uh, and, and it really brought the art to new levels, which if the, you know, if the art doesn't work, then none of the partnerships and none of the community impact works. It has to be great art. And so it was just, it's been so great because of the way CVT contributed to it. Uh, so I'm hoping that we see those ripples out over time. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to your next season as well. Yes. I, I know there's mischief in the air already of, of looking at partnerships. Uh, yeah, this whole <laughs> model of sharing the square. You yeah. know, it's the wonderful thing about collaboration is the outcome that you can get. But, of course, we're all frightened of it because it's five times as much work as just doing your own thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then you're always giving your own message to your own audience. Uh, so anytime we can do this. Now, not every show lends itself to deep, meaningful cross-sector partnerships uh, as this season's Dot and uh, Cardboard P piano do. Uh, but it's a stance. And certainly Dyer Van Frank, again, which is another story that is uh, frequently dismissed. Like, we all know it. We've heard it. Mm-hmm. Right. What's its value? It's like, well, as we're learning with all these new refugees that keep coming to Minnesota, the value so often 
I will never forget, this is now, this story is about five years old, but it still is happening when we get uh, students from Lighthouse School of Nations or LEAP Academy who have been in refugee situations. They may or may not have come from a culture that denies the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. They have that unit in school. They come to see the Diary of Anne Frank, and they see a family in hiding in real fear. And that's the connecting point for them, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, we've been through that. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget a handwritten note from a girl from Somalia who, after seeing the show, said, I'd never heard of this Anne Frank, but today I met the first white girl who understands me. Mm. And you're thinking, well, we did our mission. We yeah. can go home now, right? Yes. Uh, so it is important that these stories keep being told. But we do have fun coming up. Right. So and, we, and we also have Holocaust uh, deniers in our midst. And it's just oh, a good reminder. That exactly. This, well, and the, and the frightening thing with as, as Holocaust survivors fade from life and from mm -hmm. the scene is that the never forget or this will never happen again seems to be about, well, never will Germans... Uh, do this to Jews in 1940, right? right? It's 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 still this is these kinds of genocides are happening around the world. Uh, so anyway, it's always a story that bears repeating. But we have Pirates of Penzance on the stage starting tomorrow night or Yay. last night actually. Uh, so this weekend, and that runs through uh, almost the end of March, and then we're going to close out our season with just you know we do a summer mystery often. And we all love Sherlock Holmes. We're doing Ken Ludwig's Baskerville, ah. which is a comic send-up of in, in true Holmesian style, but five actors play forty roles. <laughs> uh, and we have a woman Watson. So ah. Lucy Liu was not maybe the first, but not the last. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I also want to make sure the audience knows about the special. For yes, the cardboard piano. For cardboard piano, because you have until February 18th to see that. You can get two tickets for the price of one, and it is. 2F1 is your code to enter online. So when they go to parksquaretheater.org and go to tickets and they're about to right. check out, there's it's a little coupon. Discount code, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And they do 2F1. And then if you're on the phone and you don't quite remember it, you say, I heard the two-for-one deal, they'll help you out. So that's 651-291-7005. Terrific. And do you want to give us any highlights for... Um, sneak peeks for next next season? Oh, there'll be lots to connect about in the 1819 season. Um, one of the first shows in the fall uh, is the Midwest premiere of a brand new script called The Agitators about the tempestuous 45-year friendship between Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. So while we think the um, intersectionality of the Women's March on Washington and Black Lives Matter is all today's headlines, it's been around for 150 <laughs> years uh, through generations of agitators. And the stresses and the, the, the challenges and the, the celebrations. They're, they're... Oh, exactly. And they're just great characters, right? And we love history, yeah. so we love that. And then we'll be partnering with Girl Friday Productions on a new production of The Skin of Our Teeth by Thornton Wilder. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, so um, all kinds of great stuff. I can't wait till I can share more. <laughs> and we'll have you back to do that. Yes. Well, Kurt Gehring, Executive Director of Center for Victims of Torture, thank you for your insights and your, your thoughts and your, um, your learnings that you, you've given us and things to think about in terms of healing and, and what, what's available to help us support you. Thank you, Lori, so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about this work. Tremendous. And my friend, Michael John. Yes. Great shows. I'm looking forward to uh, Pirates coming up. I'll be going to that show, as well as advocating for folks before it closes. This is a, a don't miss, the cardboard piano. Um, very moving. Um, come prepared. Come prepared to think and to feel and to... You know, struggle a little bit. Yeah, with it. but it's yeah. not it's not depressing. It takes no. you away. Yeah. It does put you in another yeah. world. So come on the journey. Yeah. Well, you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and you're listening to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter and we challenge you to think about going out and doing something. So have a good week. We'll catch up next week. I won't be around.